Shannon Lucid is an American biochemist, a retired NASA astronaut. At one time, she held the record for the longest duration in space by an American and the longest duration in space for anywhere in the world by a woman. Discover Magazine named her as one of the, most, the 50 most important women in science. And it was during this extended period in which she was on the Mir space station, she was there for over six months, uh, that she was wrestling with this desire to be back home. She longed to be back with her family. Uh, she longed to get back into uh, her normal life. She longed to feel the sun on her face and the wind in her hair. And as she was preparing for uh, the Spatial Shuttle Atlantis to come and to retrieve her from the space station, she said, you can rest assured I'm not going to be on the wrong side of the hatch when they close it. You can rest assured I'm not going to be on the wrong side of the hatch when they close it. Now, the Hebrew people had been here once before. It was 40 years ago. And over this time, they had gone now on a long and arduous journey through all of the desert wilderness of Israel. And I can assure you that now that they are back at this place, now that they are on the banks of the Jordan looking into Canaan, that they do not want to be on the wrong side of the Jordan when this thing is over. And this morning, I want you to understand that you are standing at a precipice yourself. Each and every one of us are at this place between heaven and hell. It's this place between life and death. It's this place between hope and despair. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of the hatch when they close it. The good news is that God has provided salvation for us in Christ Jesus. And it's through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection that we can end up on the right side of eternity. And so today as we continue our series through, called Promise through the opening chapters of the book of Joshua, I want us to learn of God's promised provision for his people. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10, the word of God says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you'll be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. So Joshua said to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Remember what Moses the Lord's servant commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest, and he'll give you this land. Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you, and they too possess the land that the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses the Lord's servant gave you on the east side of the Jordan. 
So they answered Joshua, everything you've commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. Certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. But above all, be strong and courageous. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want us to examine God's promise of provision that he makes for his people. And as we look at these verses, there are two promises in particular that he, that he gives that he will provide for them. He promises a residence for them and he promises rest for them. And so we begin with this provision of a residence. And in verse 11, what the Lord says is, go through the camp, tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you'll be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that your Lord your God is giving you to inherit. So this day has finally come. God is providing a residence for his people. This people had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. And they had made that trek to the edge of the the promised land. And after a massive failure to not enter the land, they have now been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They had lost their great leader, Moses, and now they are finally about to enter into the promised land. And this is an incredible place of promise. The Bible tells us that it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where they carry, two men carry a cluster of grapes on a pole between them on their shoulders. It's a, it's a land where there are cities and habitations. It's a land where there are fertile fields. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 10 and 11, it's described like this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, when you eat and are satisfied. You see... It was everything they could, that they could ever have imagined and more. The Lord is providing an incredible way for his people here. And isn't that a longing that each of us has in our own heart? We want the place like that. We want a place to belong. We want a place to be. And perhaps this morning and you look over your life, you feel as as if you're missing that. You feel like you're just kind of wandering through life, aimless, lost. And we see here in this passage that God had a plan for his people to provide for them. And I want you to know that God has a plan for your life as well. That he's created you to have a relationship with him. And that through that relationship with him, you will find meaning and purpose for your life. That you'll find blessing. You'll find that life that's everything that you ever could have imagined and more. The Lord calls it abundant life. 
And just as God promised the Hebrew people a land and a residence in Canaan, He's promised His church a land as well. Figuratively, we are standing on the banks of the Jordan looking into eternity at our eternal home where God has promised heaven for His people. And the Hebrew people had to cross over the Jordan by faith to enter into that land. And they had to trust in God's promises to them. And in the same way, we have to trust in the Lord's promise that he will save us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because the only way that we can enter into that land is by faith. By trusting in his promises. And when we do, the Lord says, I have a residence for you. A place where you'll be with God forever and ever and ever. The Bible describes our residence in Revelation chapter 7. If you'll turn there in your Bibles, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes here in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. I want you to listen to what this place is like that God's promised for us. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, along with the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell face down before the throne, and they worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders asked me, Who are these people in white robes? Where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he told me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation." They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason, they're before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They'll no longer hunger. They'll no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them, and he'll guide them to springs of the waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here in this beautiful picture of our residence, they're singing this song to God, salvation to our God who's seated on the throne and to the Lamb in verse 10. And just like the, the Hebrew people were, were going to inherit a land that wasn't theirs, here they're recognizing that this salvation is holy from God, that they don't deserve this mercy. They haven't earned this grace. But God went after them when they were sheep who had gone astray. He had demonstrated his love toward them. And that while they were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we love him because he first loved us. And so these saints are all crying out with a loud voice of thanksgiving to the Lamb of God because their faith has now been made sight in this eternal resting place. In verse 9 there, it says that each of them have been given a, a white victor's robe because they've overcome. They've overcome through Christ's death and through his resurrection, where Christ's victory is now their victory, where Christ's righteousness is now their righteousness. And the elder 
tells us more about this place in verse 15. He says, for this reason, they're before the throne of God, and they're serving him day and night in his temple. He says, it's for this reason. What reason? That Christ has saved them. That that they're here in God's presence. Because without being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, we could never stand in the presence of God. Because our sin separates us from God. But because of our great high priest, we can come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence. And he says that we come here before him for one reason, to serve him day and night in his temple. In verse 9 it says that they're waving palm branches in their hands. They're here to, to worship him. They're here to adore him, to obey him, to love him forever and ever and ever. And in verse 15, it says that the the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. Literally reads that he will spread his tent over them or will tabernacle them is what it means. And that points us back to this wilderness generation. Because the tabernacle was the place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt when the Israelites were wandering around in the desert. The tabernacle was the symbol of God's presence with his people. And here in the book of Revelation, in our eternal residence, he says that God will spread this tabernacle out over the multitude, that he will be with them. And that we're covered under the shelter of God. And when we're covered under the shelter of God, we are safe and secure. We are far from tribulations here. There's no devastation from sin here. We're well in the hands of God. In fact, in verses 16 and 17, it says that they'll no longer hunger. They'll no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat, because the Lamb who's at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He'll guide them to springs of the waters of life. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This place is even more incredible than we could ever imagine. And it's more than just cities that we did not build and wells that we did not dig and vineyards that we did not plant. It's salvation that we did not earn. It's eternal life in the blessing and provision of the holy creator of all things. And I want you to know today That if you trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, God will provide an eternal residence for you in heaven with him. And so we see first this provision of a residence. But there's a second provision that the Lord promises in our passage this morning as well. He promises to provide rest for his people. There in verse 13 He says, remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest, and he'll give you this land. He'll give you rest. That's an incredible promise for a weary and worn people. A people that have traveled in the wilderness for 40 years, packing up their belongings each day, and moving camp to the next site. They've been nomads, always going, never settled. And the Lord says to them, I will give you rest. 
I know that you're tired. I know that you're restless. But now you're going to have a residence where you can settle and where you can rest. And isn't that a longing that each of us has in our hearts? We long for rest. I mean, most of us can't even keep up with the schedules that we've created for ourselves, right? We have all these time-saving devices to, to save us time so that we can just fill up that time with more things that we can't do. And we long for moments of rest. It's not just us. If you look in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, the disciples felt the same way. Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. That's what was going on with the disciples. And we needed a place to get away and go rest. But in this passage, it's more than just a break from our busyness. The rest that the Bible is speaking of here is about being satisfied and having rest in that. It's about doing a long day's work and at the end of the day being satisfied with what's been accomplished. That's how God rested on the seventh day. It wasn't because God was tired that he had to have a day of rest. He's an all-powerful God. He didn't, need to, you know, he didn't need a break because he was wore out. He's resting in what is done. He's satisfied. And in fact, God created us to need that rhythm of rest in our lives and to find that rest in him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God established that rest in the creation by resting in his completed work on the Sabbath day. He instituted the Sabbath for the Hebrew people to be a day where they would rest from their labors and where they would find satisfaction in a relationship with him. And just as God promised the Hebrew people rest in their new home, he's promised the church rest as well because we'll receive an eternal rest in Christ. In fact, the author of Hebrews describes it in Hebrews 4, verses 8 through 11. He says, if Joshua had given them rest, then God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. So let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. And so, the author of Hebrews is saying here that Canaan wasn't the final rest, because God spoke of another day of rest after that. He's referring to Psalm chapter 95 and verses 8 through 11 where the Bible says, Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and they tried me though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was disgusted with that generation and I said, There are people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. 
was a psalm that was written hundreds of years after Israel took over Canaan. And so it wasn't the final rest, or there wouldn't have been another rest that was spoken of. The final rest comes through Jesus. He's the final provision. In him, we can rest from all of our work because he has done the work and it is finished. Tim Keller writes, Most of us work and work trying to prove ourselves, to convince God and others and ourselves that we're good people. But that work is never over unless we rest in the gospel. At the end of his great act of creation, the Lord said it's finished and he could rest. And on the cross, at the end of his great act of redemption, Jesus said it's finished and we can rest. We can rest from trying to earn salvation from doing this and not doing that and having more good than bad. That we rest in what Christ has done for us through his death and through his resurrection. In fact, what's interesting is that the Greek name for Jesus is the same as the Hebrew name for Joshua. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, they're told, Mary, she'll give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus. You're to name him Jesus or Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. And Joshua in Hebrew means God is salvation. And just as Joshua led the Hebrew people to the place of rest. Jesus, who is the greater Joshua, will lead the redeemed to their final rest. Early church father Augustine said, Thou hast created us for thyself, and our heart is not quiet until it rests in thee. I want you to know today that if you will trust in Jesus as your Savior, God will provide an eternal rest for you. That you can rest in what Jesus has done for you. And then you, out of an act of worship and love, give your heart to serve him and to love him and to minister in his name. And at the end of this passage in verse 18, we see this phrase that's been repeated all throughout chapter 1. Above all, be strong. And courageous. They're telling Joshua to stand firm and to move forward. That this people is not going to rebel as before, but they're going to obey and they're going to follow and they're going to trust. Why? Because God has promised them a residence and rest. And because God has promised it to them, they can believe him. And I can assure you that they didn't want to be on the wrong side of the Jordan. When this was all over. And today I want you to understand. That you're standing at this precipice yourself. It's the place between heaven and hell. It's the place between life and death. It's the place between hope and despair. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of the hatch. When they close it. There may be some here this morning. Who realize in your heart that you long for this residence with the Lord. You long for this rest. And just as we stated earlier, the good news is that God has provided it to you, to all of us, through Jesus, the Son of God who came to earth 
and took on all of our sin upon himself. He died in our place because the wages of our sin is death. But God raised him up from the dead on the third day. And he's offering to you today forgiveness for your sins. He's offering to you today life and salvation. A residence. Rest. And today that might be the decision you need to make in your heart. to Say, I want to come and follow Christ as the Lord of my life. I want to call on Christ to save me and to forgive me of my sin. In a minute, we're going to have a time of response. There's going to be leaders across the front here. We're going to be singing. And if this is a decision that you want to make, then you come. And to share with one of these leaders that, that you want to make this decision to follow after Christ today. Christians today, we've been reminded of the Lord's promises to us. This whole series is called Promised. And, and the idea behind the entire thing is that we're going to believe and stand on the promises of God. To know that the world is not our home, that we're just passing through and we're looking to our eternal residence. That no matter what our life looks like now, that God has rest for you in Christ. So today as we stand on the banks of the Jordan, are we going to believe in the promises of God and live them out every single day? And So maybe you want to spend some time there at your seat here at this altar in prayer saying, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to believe your promises. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you that you are faithful and good. And the Lord, we can do a series called Promises because you're a promise keeper. You're a God that we can believe, a God that we can trust, a God that we can follow. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that men and women, boys and girls across this room, Lord, would stand on your promises. They would believe. They would live them out. God, I pray for those who are here today who may not have that relationship with you. And Lord, as they stand here on the banks, deciding what are they going to do today. God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would convict them in their hearts. He would point them to Jesus. That they would know that they need to follow after him today. That they would give their heart to him as the Savior and Lord of their life. That they would be born again. That they would have this promise in their heart of a residence and of rest in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.